I'm glad to be here in God's presence with God's people. Recipients of God's grace, ready for God's word, lifting up God's name and praising God together. Amen? What a great privilege we have to do that today. I hope you never take that for granted. And by the way, today's scripture is kind of a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit somewhere else. So if you're trying to get a note or you're following on the Bible app uh, that you have there, Psalm 37, Genesis 22, and then back to Psalms again, 139. Uh, you'll want to bookmark each of these uh, pages. I guarantee you will. By the time we get well down into those verses, you'll see why I say that. Let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the great privilege and honor that it is to stand before you and uh, to declare your word. Thank you, God, for everyone who's here today, every heart, every hope, every aspiration. Lord, I just pray that needs will be met in this place. I just pray that your word will find permanent lodging in every heart. And I pray that we will not only hear, not only react, but actually respond to your call upon our lives. Because we know, Lord, there's something here for each one of us. And Lord, we just pray that as we find that and as we listen to that and as we react to that, that your Holy Spirit will do the guiding and the leading and the blessing. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Spiritually speaking, too often the opinion of others affects what we may think. It's, it's a pretty neat little sentence, but just let it sink in. Too often, the opinion of others affects what we may think. Yeah? But let me just say one thing about that. Our choices to act on our own opinion is truly what keeps us from being connected to our Heavenly Father, our constant provider. If there's no connection, then there's no power. If there's no connection, then there's no direction. If there's no connection, then there's no wisdom. And if there's no connection, then there are no growth steps of any kind. So if you're not growing in grace, and if you're not stronger in your faith walk today than you were a year ago, or even a month ago, or maybe a week ago then it could very well be that you are not connected. And with that in mind, I want us to turn now to Psalm 37. And I want us to look at two verses of Scripture that would be pretty familiar to a lot of people. And then some of you may be hearing it for the very first time, and that's fine too. Psalm 37, verse 23. I'm going to read this from two different versions, and I think we have both of them on the screen so you can follow along or you can read with me. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Those are encouraging words, but they're also conditional words in there. And then in the message, I love the words of the message, in the, especially many of the Psalms, Here's what those same verses say. 
Stalwart walks in step with God. His path blazed by God. He's happy. If he stumbles, he's not down for long. God has a grip on his hand. Hmm. Yeah. Question. So who can, who can be this good or this stalwart, a man or woman, in whom the Lord delights? Answer. Anyone who decides to follow God and live for him, if you are willing to walk in relationship with God, God is certainly willing to walk in relationship with you. You get that? If you are willing to walk in relationship with God, God is certainly willing to walk in relationship with you. Someone might say, well, I don't know where I'm going. God does. Someone might say, well, I don't know what I'm going to be going through. I don't know what life's going to hold for me. I don't know what's up ahead. God does. Someone might say, well, I don't know where my destination might end up or I don't even know how I will get there. God does. And let me just remind you that God has the best, the safest, and the easiest route to get you to where you're going and to keep you sustained while you are going. And with God included and God involved on your journey, abundant life will be a continuous option for consumption, available all along the way. It's not like a carrot tied to a pole held out in front of you and dangling there with no way of ever getting it, but physically and tangibly to partake, to touch, to feel, and to enjoy God's awesome companionship. And I leave that, I leave that little graphic in front of you for a moment. This is not what walking with God is about. It's not God dangling a carrot out in front of you that you could never reach, never touch, never have, never consume. A lot of people think that if I have this and if I get this and if I do such and such or stop doing such and such, that's it. I'll have a relationship with God. Not the way it works at all. I read this article a while back and I wanted to share it with you. It's a short article. But the writer says, one day my phone... My cell phone was acting up. Anybody ever have a cell phone that acted up? All right. Um, anyone ever had a computer that acted up? All right. And uh, he said, um, it seemed as though there was a malfunction with it. So anytime my phone or computer won't do what I tell it to do, I always figure that thing has a malfunction with it. Something's wrong with this thing. Oh, it's time to buy a new one. You see, you look at it, and the guy said, one minute it was fine, and I was using it. And the next minute, the screen said, no service connection. That's an awful feeling. Huh? No matter what I did, he said, the phone wouldn't work. Even my physical location was no, of no importance because where I was... There should have been lots of signal available, so it wasn't that. So I went to my provider, 
and they reset some things and reinserted some things, all my personal data and so on, and my service and my relationship with my phone was re-established just like that. It was just not working, and after they did their magic, it was working. You see, service was always available. There was never a question about the service from the provider. My device, he said, or my ability to connect to my service provider was the problem. Wow. Have you ever had a similar issue with your phone? Have you ever had a similar issue with your life? Oh boy, Christine Kane has uh, a new message out I listened to a while back. She also ha has a series on this topic and has written a book on it. So I commend it to you. And uh, it's all about the overuse of the electronics, the phones, the iPads, the, all the other eyes. And the basis or thesis of her message and her articles is, isn't it time to just turn those things off for a few hours or a few days? And I love the title of her thoughts and of her uh, series. It's, it was called the, it's called The Power of Off. Yeah. And then she talks all about the beauty of living without all of those artificial props and without all that stuff that th makes us think we're really connected. It's well worth your hearing, well worth your listening to, and well worth your reading. I, I commend it to you. So a gentleman was sitting, uh, was actually in front of a preacher as they were coming out of church one day, and the preacher took him by the hand, pulled him aside, and he said to him, called him by name, he said, you know, you really need to join the army of the Lord. And the man said, oh, preacher, I'm already in the army of the Lord. And the pastor said, well, how come I, I, I don't see you except at Christmas and Easter? And he leaned over to the preacher and he whispered back, well, you see, I'm in the secret service. It's funny, but for some people who call themselves Christians, that would be their security clearance and their relationship status of their spiritual walk with Jesus and with the Heavenly Father. Maybe they do identify with them, and maybe they are in the army of the Lord, but they're also in the secret service. May I remind you and remind all of us that service requires action. It's like the story of the man who fell in the pit. Couldn't get himself out. Several people passed by. A subjective person came along and said, I, I feel for you down there. A Pharisee said, you know, only bad people fall into pits. A mathematician calculated how deep the pit was. A news reporter wanted the exclusive story on the pit. An IRS agent asked if he was paying taxes on the pit. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything till you've seen my pit. A fire and brimstone preacher said, you deserve your pit. A Christian scientist observed, the pit is just in your mind. 
A psychologist noted, your mother and father are to blame for your being in that pit. A self-esteem therapist said, believe in yourself, believe, and you can get out of that pit. An optimist said, things could be worse, and a pessimist said, things will get worse. Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him up out of the pit. You see, Jesus cares. Service requires action. Just think, just think of, the, of the account of his very, very good friend, maybe one of his best, if not best friends of all, Lazarus. In John 11, the Bible says that Jesus cried. He knew Lazarus was dead even before he got the news, but still he cried. He knew Lazarus would be alive again in moments, but still he cried. He knew this world is not our home. He knew that death here is not forever. He knew eternity in the kingdom better than anyone else could, and yet he wept. Why? Because this world is full of pain. This world is full of regret. This, wor this world is full of disappointment. And this world is full of heartbreak. And Jesus cares about every single person in this world. That includes you. Spiritually speaking, as I opened, uh, too often the opinion of others affects what we may think. But our choices to act on our own opinion is truly what keeps us from being connected to our Heavenly Father, our constant provider. You see, our ability of choice, some call it free will, is what makes our relationship with God so unique. And we'll talk about this for a minute. I think our own free will is something else that we take for granted. Of all of God's creations... And there are so many amazing creations, they're unnumbered, even to this day, still discovering. We humans are the most unique, and we are his greatest creation. And why can we boldly say that? Because we are his only creation created in his image. It's no wonder God has provided so much for us and is constantly so good to us. <coughs> so if God has called us to do something or we are going through something in our own life, we can count on our Heavenly Father, our, our, our Heavenly Service Provider, if you will, to maintain and to protect and to watch over and to care for us. If we are willing to stay connected to and believe that he will. My question this morning for you as we look at some of these scriptures, are you connected? Are you staying charged up? Do you still have that solid connection between the provider and you, and you as a person? Will there be a test? Yes, there will be a test. And as with all tests, comes a possibility of reward if you pass the test. And I'm going to give you a great example, one of the best in all of Scripture, and I'm going to ask you to come with me again to Genesis this time, chapter 22, starting at verse 1. 
and I'm reading from the New King James. Really well rendered. Now it came to pass after these things that God what? That God what? That's right. This is a test, and if you don't answer, you fail. And it came to pass after these things that God what? Abraham. And said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. This is a lovely father-son story, isn't it? No. Let's not forget a few facts. It took a total of 25 years for the promise of God to Abraham to be fulfilled. The promise was that Abraham would become the father of many nations through his own son. When God made this promise, Abraham believed it despite being quite old, at the time probably 75, and his wife having attained and passed the wonderful age of menopause. And after 15 years of waiting for the promise, God visited Abraham again, and he assured him that the promise would be fulfilled in due time. And in due time means in God's time. See, we think in due time in our lives means our time. Our timing means nothing. It's all about God's timing. Have you ever found that in your life? Have you lived long enough to figure that out? No. And then it took another 10 years after the reassurance visit to Abraham for, he, for Abraham and Sarah to give birth to a son who was named Isaac. And I think it's so incredibly interesting that Isaac's name means laughter. Yeah. Because Abraham laughed at the promise, and when, when Sarah overheard the conversation, she laughed. She rolled on the ground. This was beyond her. So I'm going to pick it up now in verse 3 of Genesis 22. I hope you're following. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place far off, which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted his, uh, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, saw the place afar off, which God had told him. And uh, he said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. <laughs> the lad, I can't get through this one. The lad and I will go yonder and do what? The lad and I will go wander. We're going up this mountain. We're going to build this. We're going to build this altar. And the lad and I will go yonder and and I don't want to disservice uh, the, the, the scripture. But does this make any sense to you? And probably one of the greatest utterances of the whole scripture, or the whole Bible. And we will come back. Who will come back? We will come back to you. 
Yeah, the lad and I are going yonder for worship. And we will come back to you. Wow. So Abraham took the wood out of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire of the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. Okay, got the fire, got the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and placed the wood in order and he bound Isaac. This is a great theological uh, juncture here. Many people have debated this and talked about it. And I'm not going to this morning. But he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket. By its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place. <laughs> the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this very day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Fourteen of the greatest verses in all of Scripture right there. Matter of fact, I'm going to derive my title for this morning's message from that to simply say to you, and I'm proud to be able to say this and to hopefully build your spirits up a little bit, God is still on the throne! And God is still able to provide. Say that with me. God is still able to provide. I don't know what you're expecting him to provide for. I don't know what you're expecting him to, uh, to uh, provide with. I don't know what you're expecting him or when you're expecting him to provide something. But can I say to you, uh, with all sincerity this morning, God is still able to provide. And God is still on the throne. God still wants to meet and provide for your every need, just as he did for Abraham. And by the way, this is not a babysitter story. Oh, no. Marge is not in charge of your life's destiny. God is in charge of your destiny now and forevermore, if you will allow him to be. The only thing God required from Abraham... The only thing required for Abraham to pass his test was blank. 
Somebody said it. Two people said it. We're all going to say it. Trust. Let's all say that great word. Trust. Mm. Trust. And what's required of you to pass your test? Or maybe your tests. You're, you're going through more than one. Or you've gone through more than one. Or you may yet face those in your life. It's trust. More than anything else in all my years of dealing with people from the pulpit and dealing with people in their private individual lives, I've heard this statement. Well, pastor, I'm trying. I'm really trying. If all you're doing is trying, that's good. That's good. But all you'll ever do is try. You'll never pass the test. You need to stop trying and start trusting. You need to learn to say, you know, I don't know what's coming next. I don't even know the nature of the test. I don't know how far God's going to take me. I knew he took Abraham a long ways, didn't he? But I know the answer to the question, and I know how to pass the test, because I'm going to trust him. It's not about trying. It's all about trusting. Trusting. That's what's required of you, and that's what's required of me to pass life's tests. It's the same thing required from every other person God ever helped. Anyone God ever helped through their need, uh, through their need on their way to their miracle. And by the way, I know some of you are on your way to a miracle. But you're never going to see the miracle until you learn to trust. Until you learn how to take this test and pass it. Until you learn how to put your faith totally and completely in Him. Trust is the thing that's required from everyone who God has ever helped or will ever help through their need on their way to their miracle. Now you say, why should we place our trust and why should we place our, our, our faith in God? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but I'm just going to enumerate two or three. For because of God's love and because of God's knowledge and because of God's concern for us, that's enough, that gives me more than ample reason to have faith and to trust him with the outcome of my life. And it gives you more than ample reason to trust him with the outcome of your life. Just the fact that he loves you. He lo we don't even understand. We think we know what love is. We don't even start to understand what love is because we see love through the human filter. We don't understand the magnitude of the love of Almighty God for us. He loves us. He cares about us. His knowledge supersedes all the knowledge of the human world and times a million. And he knows what's best for us. And he's always, and it never ceases, he's always concerned for us. So I ask you here this morning, in all honesty, why shouldn't we trust him with the outcome of our lives? And now I want to go to another psalm, if I may, and I'm going to ask you to, to join me. 
I'm not going to have this one on the screen because it's coming from a fairly new translation, which we don't even have up yet in the system. It's called The Voice, and if any of you have ever read anything from The Voice, I hope you've been half as blessed as I've been. But I wanted to quote this, and I'm going to read these verses for you. So you can just sit there and kind of soak it in. Because this is the psalmist in Psalm 139, starting at verse 13. This is the psalmist speaking to God, his creator. God, his creator. Aren't you glad we're created in the image of God? Isn't it glad? Aren't you glad that we can actually sit down and talk to our creator and thank him for the great job he's done? Here's what the psalmist said. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you shaped me. In, so, so let me just... Let, 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 me, let me just be a little bit uh, vain here. Uh, don't be so concerned about your shape. <laughs> okay. This is what the psalmist said. For you shaped me inside and out. You knitted me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath. How many of you seated in this room, believe those words. Mm. Jeremiah certainly believed it. Verse 14. I will offer you my grateful heart, for I am your unique creation, filled with wonder and awe. You have approached even the smallest details with excellence. Your works are wonderful. I carry this knowledge deep within my soul. I love those words. You see all things. Nothing about me was hidden from you. As I took shape in secret, carefully crafted in the heart of the earth before I was born from its womb. You see all things. You saw me growing, changing in my mother's womb. Every detail of my life was already written in your book. You established the length of my life before I ever tasted the sweetness of it. Your thoughts and plans are treasures to me. Oh, drink this in, dear friends. Your thoughts and plans and treasures are treasures to me. I cherish each and every one of them. How grand in scope, how many in number. In the final verse, if I could count each one of them, they would be more than all the grains of sand on earth. Their number is inconceivable. That, my friends, is the circle of life. That, my friends, is what we're all about. That, my friends, let me introduce you to him, is the creator of mankind. That, my friends, is your creator, the one who shaped you right, inside and out and knew everything about you before you were even knit together in your mother's womb. If I could count every blessing, every thought, 
every plan, every treasure that's mine because of you, God, they would be more than all the grains of sand on the earth. Their number is inconceivable. And then I thought of this verse as I closed out Psalm 139. I thought of the words in Psalm 23. A lot of you maybe have memorized the 23rd Psalm or it's a favorite of yours and I'm happy that it is. I love these words. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't walk through the, we don't walk through the valley of death. We walk, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And as I've said many times before, a shadow can't touch you. A shadow shouldn't scare you. A shadow is the, uh, is the evidence of light. The psalmist said, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, do you know the rest of it? Will fear no evil. I just like those first three words. I will fear in other words, I will fear not. No evil will come upon me because with God's help, I'm not going to stop walking through the valley of the shadow of death in the middle. I'm going to keep right on walking. There's no place in there where I'm going to stop when I start walking through there. And by the way, we've all started walking through there. And as I walk through the valley, I'll be sustained. And as I am sustained, I will be strengthened. And as I am strengthened, I will eventually once again rise to soar again with eagles to the miracle of my eternal reward which God has waiting for me. Therefore, I will fear no evil. Do you know Jesus? How's your connection? Who is he? Who is he to you? Here's who he is to me. Jesus is my advocate. <laughs> Jesus is my boldness. Jesus is my comfort. Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus is my energy. Jesus is my fortress. Jesus is my guardian. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my iconoclast. Jesus is my joy. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my master. Jesus is my navigator. Jesus is my outrider. Jesus is my power. Jesus is my quietness. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is my sanctity. And Jesus is also my savior. Jesus is my tranquility. Jesus is my upper taker. Jesus is my victory. Jesus is my warranty. Jesus is my X in Christmas taken from the Greek letter Chi. Jesus is my Yahweh. And Jesus, Jesus is my zenith. 
Jesus is my zeal. Jesus is my Zion. Jesus is my zone. That's who my Jesus is. Who's your Jesus? An amusing story was told by the general manager of a large hotel in New York City many years ago. This took place. The great Paderewski occupied a suite there. This was a number of years ago during one of his seasons at Carnegie Hall. It was the master's custom to practice for a couple of hours every morning on the magnificent instrument that he had brought with him. On the third morning of his stay, an angry lady stormed into the manager's office and said, Look, someone is hammering on an old tin can piano every morning across the corridor from me. Now, this is the third day it's happened. And it's driving me mad, and unless you stop it, I shall leave the hotel immediately. The astonished manager replied, but madam, that is Ignacy Jan Paderewski himself. And the lady nearly fainted. So surprised, she said, Paderewski? Oh, that's different. Of course, I had not the slightest idea, because I adore good music. I'm an excellent musician myself. Please, please, please say nothing at all about this. The hotel manager was very amused, and he heard thereafter that for the remainder of Paderewski's stay, that good woman kept the door of her apartment wide open, and she entertained a party of friends there every morning while he was practicing. What's the difference, you say? If you listen real carefully, you get the whole theme of my message today. If you miss what I'm going to say now, we're going to dismiss anyway. What was the difference? This little story, I hope you got it. What was the difference? She was not aware of the connection to and the proximity of someone she adored, as well as the availability and the access that she could have every single day for her enjoyment. You know, just like that woman, sometimes we hear And sometimes we judge. I don't know how many people I deal with in a run of a week who start every conversation with judgment rather than some kind of, some kind of praise or, or appreciation or positive tone. It's, and I know what's coming next because whenever that starts, it means I've got to get somebody down so I can look bigger. And you never look bigger when you're standing on top of someone else. Sorry. That's no way to do it. That was a little sideline. It wasn't a political note, but you can have it for free. I'll give it to you. 
because I'm driving into a yard here that I want very much to be occupied by a lot of people in this room. Like that woman in the story, I hope you'll stay with me on this, sometimes we hear, but we don't realize the beauty of the unforced rhythms of grace that Jesus is offering to us on a daily basis. All she heard was some clanging on a piano, and she had no idea. The man was practicing. He was probably composing. He was probably, he was probably working through some difficult passages in some great musical piece. And you know, sometimes that's the way it comes across to us in life. Like, what is this all about? How will this ever make sense? How will this ever be put together? And just like her... Sometimes we hear, and yeah, the, if I can use the allegory, the music is playing, but we don't realize the beauty of the, I call it the unforced rhythms of grace that Jesus is offering to us, notwithstanding anybody else, on a daily basis. Your happiness is not dependent on somebody else. Your effectiveness is not dependent on somebody else. Your fulfillment is not dependent on somebody else. Your happiness, dependency, fulfillment, call it whatever you want, is dependent on your connection, your live connection to your heavenly Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our God. And some of you tell me stories about that other guy, and I just want to say, well, so what? Who cares? You don't know what he did. You don't know what he said. You don't know. He doesn't sound too good. I heard him sing. Ooh, it's bad. But did you hear the unforced rhythm of grace that Jesus is extending to you and wants to bless you with? Or are you going to stay in this pickle all the rest of your life and stew in the brine? What's the point of that? Life's too short. Can I just say one other little thing that you might remember when we leave today? God is still on the throne. Man, the way we manage things. Like, we really are in control. <laughs> it's laughable when you just stop for a minute and surround yourself with nothing but yourself. Huh? And you realize, you know what I'm in control of? Absolutely zero. On paper... According to the business organization, according to the way things are, I've been in positions in my life where I was the one in control. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough being in control of nothing. <laughs> you think that's easy? Well, we all should know about it because we all handle that in our own lives, don't we? 
thinking like we can control something when we have no control. And it's never God's plan for us to control it. And just like the psalmist said in Psalm 139, the book was already written before we breathed our first breath. Why can't we trust God? The lad and I are going yonder to... I still can't believe that. I looked at about five different translations of the Bible, and it's the same word. The lad and I are going up the mountain yonder to worship. You what? You're going up to offer your son as a sacrifice, your only son, your long-awaited 25-year pregnancy, and you're what? Oh, here are the greatest words of faith and trust you'll find in the Bible. And we will be back. They said it before Arnold did. Man, oh man, to have trust like that. And Abraham didn't always exhibit those great traits and, of character, huh? Of course, he had a woman that dragged him down, and we're living off. We're, you know, that we laugh at that. I mentioned this the other day after hearing a news report on the Middle East, but, you know, that's what's going on in the world today. Yep. The Ishmaelites never did like Isaac. And his descendants, and guess what? They still don't. <laughs> That's what it boils down to, if you want the history of it, in a nutshell. And we need to remember this. God is still on the throne. He hasn't abdicated. He's not going to. Things are not out of control. Some people will have you believe that. God does know what he's doing. Some people would have you believe otherwise. But God is still on the throne. And if you believe that, I want you to join me in reading a little something that might be an encouragement to you as you walk your walk of faith. And I know that just the thoughts of uh, today's message might, it might get to you. There may be something there that that you really need, and I hope so. And so I'm going to ask that you, we're going to put a, a saying up on the screen, something that I really like, and I think it'll help us all. Maybe read it through a couple of times. Let me read it one time, and then let's read it together. Help us to become ever more aware, like increasingly aware, never stopping, of not only what Jesus went to the cross to accomplish for us. Can I just stop there? That was quite something, wasn't it? He laid down his life that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And somebody thinks God doesn't know what he's doing. But also all that Jesus stands ready to deliver and give us as well at this very moment and every moment of our lives. I'm going to uh, I'm going to do Three things. I'm going to ask one that the worship team, you can start coming up and preparing. Number two, 
I'm going to ask everybody who's still seated to read this with me. Let's read it with, con you know, like we're really convinced that what we're saying is true. And let's read it with confidence and strength. And then I want to pray with you. So as we, as we read this, let's each one of us, let, let's let it fold into our own lives and be meaningful for the whole group and then specifically for me. You know that old song, it's me, dear Lord. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Let's share this prayer together. Let's everyone read. Help us to become ever more aware of not only what Jesus went to the cross to accomplish for us, but also all that Jesus stands ready to deliver and give us as well at this very moment and every moment of our lives. That's beautiful. Take it to heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to just look into your word and be encouraged. Lord, the strength that we draw from these great words. And Lord, the, the example of Abraham to all of us, that whole idea of trust, that whole idea of perfect confidence, that whole idea of this story is not written yet and this story has more to it and this is going to be fulfilled and the promise will indeed be fulfilled. And indeed it was. And we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for everyone here today and their attentiveness and their attention to what you have to say. And Lord, I just pray that each one of us will be stronger. Each one of us will be bolder. Each one of us will be more ready to put action into our service and into our testimony and to be the people that we need to be so that we might do the things that you call us to do. For we pray in Jesus' name.